You're on. Well, good evening. Well, good afternoon. Good morning. Could be any of those, depending on where you are, what time of the day it is and where you're watching this. But uh, here we are for episode four, Lost in Translations. Uh, we're here with Brody on my right and Scott on my left. I'm Dan. Good evening, boys. G'day. Good evening. Doing well? You're in the hot seat. I'm in the hot seat. <laughs> you are bringing the for, fire. For those people that normally watch, don't normally. I'm normally there, but I've been promoted. <laughs> I'm feeling the I've fire. I've been demoted. Demoted. I took some heat. Yeah. <laughs> you took some took heat. Took some heat. It was too, that was too much, so we've got to pull it in. Well, I'm barely here. I'm barely here. <laughs> Tonight we're uh, going to do another topic. It's called compulsion or obligation versus freedom. I suppose in particular in the church... Uh, I find personally, and obviously we're going to dialogue on this and discuss the schools of thought that are out there, but in my own little experience I've found over a lot of years now that often I think people can, in the church context, can serve, they can give, they can live their life out of faith in the church context, community, but often uh, doing that serving, giving, living for Christ out of an obligation or maybe a compulsion, feeling like they have to do X, Y, Z to maybe please God, maybe please the people around, maybe please, please the leader. Uh, it does say in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, a pretty you know, popular scripture. Mm. The context of that scripture is actually about money. But it says, you know, God loves a cheerful giver. And he says, don't give under compulsion or don't give under obligation. Now again, the context is you know it's talking about money, but I think I think it actually applies across uh, every area of life, and and um, it's a good topic I think to talk about. How yeah. do we how do we fall out of that obligation or that um, compulsion that we have in our natural innate our human nature? How do we not fall into that trap? Because I think with that comes a whole lot of. Uh, burnout, frustration, mm. agitation, offence can come out of that. And a uh, quick story, and then we'll we'll throw it out to you boys. Oh, but sorry. this is uh, it goes back a lot of years now. I've been married twenty two years, but earlier on in our marriage, uh, I don't know how many wives are like this, but let's just say mine is for for argument's sake. But we would go out to dinner, and uh, you know my wife would often eat faster than I would. And let's say I had a piece of steak or something, she would, you know, she's finished before me and then she would she would hit me up for some of mine, mm-hmm. whatever my meal is. And big no after, yeah, yeah, you know, it's, like it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough gig. But uh, honestly, I remember one night in particular, I said to her, it, look, don't ask me for anything with my meal. Like, I love you, we're man, we're cool, we're married, but just whatever you're getting, eat it and don't bother me for mine. If you want some of mine, I'll buy the whole thing. Yeah. We cool? We, we good? Yeah, good, whatever. We eat the meal, she finishes, she looks over at mine. I could see what was going to happen and her beady little eyes <laughs> looking at my meal and then she says, can I have a little bit of that steak? And I said, no. And she said, just a little bit. And I said, look, we talked about this before. Like, no, we'll just go out and buy the whole thing. I don't want the whole thing. I just want that little bit. So this went on for a solid 10 minutes, which is a good amount of time. And eventually, because my wife is <coughs> relentless... It's part of the thing I love about mm. her, by the way. She just uh, wouldn't give up. So I got my plate, shoved it across the table. Mm. And I said, have some. And then she just looked at me and said, pushed it back and said, I don't want any. And in my mind, I was like, man, what does it matter 
with this woman? Yeah. Who can understand women? And we went home. So suffice to say, it was an icy combo. Well, there was no conversation. It was an icy environment in that car. But I'll never forget because the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, mm. do you know why she didn't want that bit of steak? I didn't know the answer. Now, we know he never asked that question. He never asked any question because he needs to know. He asked because he wants us to know. I'm a bit slow. It took me a while to work it out. Eventually, it hit me. And the Holy Spirit said to me, the reason she didn't want it was because it wasn't from your heart. Mm. And, and he said to me all these years ago, just in my heart, not audibly, all those years ago, he said, Dan, don't ever serve me. Don't ever give money. Don't ever do whatever you think you need to do in that context because I want your heart. And I never forgot that. And I think this that little story is a little premise for us to, mm. to get in and talk about how do we keep out of the obligation, the spirit of obligation or compulsion that can easily, we can fall into. Thoughts? Great story. Good yeah. story, eh? Yeah, do you have absolutely. one of those? I'm sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a lot of those stories. <laughs> Just God never <laughs> spoke to me. <laughs> I'm still holding back the yeah. <laughs> You've got to spend a lot of time in prayer for that to happen, I was, Brody. I was picturing a dog, you know, when, you, when, you, when a dog's eating and you go up and it's yeah, yeah, That's pretty, pretty don't, much. Don't ever try and take, take food away from a dog when it's eating. Um, pretty much. Obligation, yeah. I, that, I just don't think that word should exist in the kingdom of God. I don't think... Um, you know what I think it comes back to is your image of God. So coming back to your story there... Because I've had to work this out in my own life, and I think every believer does. Because our our human nature is to it, we, we're quid pro quo. Where I'll do a little bit, and then you do a little bit, and then I'll do a little bit again. You, you know, in marriages, um, and so we come to God that way. And we've got a got a mindset: if I don't do something, if I don't serve, if I'm not actively doing something in the church or through the week. Um, my Im- if my image of God is that he's angry and he's going to give me a clip around the ear because I'm not doing something, mm. we're gonna, we're, everything we're doing is going to come from that place of obligation, which then leads to frustration, which then leads to burnout. I mean, there's many other angles you can go where trying to, you know, pleasing others, pleasing leaders. But I, I really believe it comes back down to how do you view God? Because I, I'm of the opinion at the end of the day, no matter what we do, his love for us doesn't change. It's true. I could I could change the world tomorrow, and his love for me would not change. I may oh I'll touch people and be the, the, out, the outcomes on in this age and this time will will be different if I didn't change the world tomorrow. But in his eyes, I don't believe his his view of me has changed. Yes, I think it's um I agree. I, I I've heard you say it a few times that you know. Um, I can't remember if you spent it on my last podcast, but you've said before that no matter if you were tomorrow not to give or not to help another person or whatever, you did nothing good again, Jesus still loves you just the same as he does now. And I think that's just a maturity in knowing who Christ is, the character of God. Um, obviously, the root cause probably that comes back to the whole obligation um, is because our whole, uh, the world we live in is the currency of do to get. Yeah. Do something to get something. Almost contractual. Yeah, or and it's unwritten. It's almost like so. It, it's that's why some people, um, uh, some people struggle receiving generosity because it's it's almost abnormal these days. So they re- they struggle to be on the receiving end. If someone says, "Oh, I'll just pay for your fuel," we don't know them. Um, some people struggle with that because it's not normal, and they're almost like, "Well, I need to follow you home and give you fifty dollars for the fuel, mm. or I need to I need to do my part." Yeah. Um, and so if you go into then, a, say, a church context or a work environment, well, a work environment, you do, you get. It's just the way it is. 
um, at home, even in relationships and marriage. You do good, you get good. <laughs> so you do, you get. You do bad, you get bad it's in true. relationships. Yeah, there is a reaping and sowing thing to it for it's sure. It's funny true. though, but the, the ultimate relationship with Christ, it's not about what you do. You get because it's a gift. It's really up to you about how abundant your life is on earth on how much you decide to sow in mm. cheerfully mm. or in a, in a great sense. But then again, obviously, if the church is built around um, the same models we see everywhere, if, the, if you come into a church environment and you don't know, say, Christ very well, you're going to naturally, and it's not the church's fault at all, you're going to naturally think the more I do, the better Christian I am. And you would have seen that over the last 20 odd years mm. and you got both a lot more than I have. But that is what you see. I don't think that's the church's fault. I think that's probably on us not getting to know God. Um, and then once you get to know God a little bit more, you realise it's not about me at all. Yeah. That's my so sort of opening thought. Could it be a two-way street? It is two-way. I think so, Because so, yeah. I think there is something innate in the human nature that wants approval. Mm. Um, wants to be recognised. And so when I come into a... We are talking about the church context, obviously, but when I come into that world, a uh, big part of the principles and serving God is, you know, exactly that, serving him, laying down your life, giving your time, your money, your gifting, your talent, your energy, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And so... Um, is it a two-way street? Is there somewhere as pastors and leaders that we got to keep that in check? And then also in me as a parishioner, <laughs> that use the old school word, <laughs> lacking the the identity of you know who do how do I see God and because um, I, I feel like it is a bit of a two way street. Yeah, I don't think the church is to blame, but I feel like it does go both ways. Um, if I'm not careful as a pastor, then I can, you know, because I want a I want to accomplish something in the name of God in the name of Christ, and help people. The motives could be very pure. Yeah. But nonetheless, I can, if I'm not careful, I think as a pastor and as a leader, this is, this is mm. kind of making statements and questions at the yeah, same yeah. time. Uh, if I'm not careful, then I will put into that culture um, all, basically a spirit of religion, because that's what religion mm. is. 100%. It's working your way to, to, to get to God or whatever. And then there is, a, I think, responsibility on... Again, the parishioner to you know search that out as well, and so maybe it is a two way street. Yeah, it's on both sides because yeah. I guess it's a um, uh, in a worldly sense, it's what we would call um, perceived pressure. You think there's pressure, mm. and that perceived pressure normally comes from a hierarchy. Mm. Yep. There's always a there's never a perceived pressure down because the the natural um, elements of it is like, well, they're not going to tell me off because I'm here. If you're a boss, a supervisor. But everyone above you, you have a perceived pressure of like, I need to do X, Y, Z. There's a perceived pressure inside a church context because there is leadership and structure and all the healthy things that make that. There's always going to be a perceived pressure from someone coming in who wants to do X, Y, Z. And like you said, the, there is ownership on both on both ends. Obviously, the person who's trying to drive a vision to achieve what God's put on their heart um, it's easy to lead an environment when people are creating this own perceived pressure. But if you don't correct it and say, hey, just so you know, uh, I don't expect X, Y, Z, if those conversations never had, uh, you're allowing that perceived pressure to grow. 
complicated, but I that, I see that all the time, not just in church, but in work environments and in in friendships and relationships. Mm. If one person isn't on the front foot and say, "Hey, just so you know, uh, I don't expect this," or "It's all I'm all good with this," it's the la- it's almost a breakdown of communication. It's another podcast altogether. But that, that if it's not over communicated, perceived pressure will grow and people will feel obligated and they'll end up getting frustrated and burnt out in any context. True that. Say something. No. <laughs> Pearls before swine. <laughs> or age before beauty. I was, I was gonna say, coming back to the identity, identity and your view of God, your image of God. I remember I think it was like twenty the twenty was it the twenty twelve Olympics in Britain, London, London Olympics, whenever that was. Um, <coughs> I think it was a Great Britain athlete had won the triathlon or something. Something that was one of those grueling sports. And was getting interviewed afterwards, and the reporter kept asking these questions, like kept banging on about how much how much effort they put in to get to that point. You know, four years of training. Um, oh man, like you, you know, you might, you got up every morning and and put the hard yards in, and the athlete just stopped and said, "Hang on, hang on, I I love what I do. Mm. So I love what I do. That comes first, and then out of that, my actions follow. And I think that's what needs to happen." And it's, it's hard you say that what that's what needs to happen but you need to be one into love i think but if i love my wife if i love jesus my natural reaction is i'm going to want to do things for my wife for christ but the thing is, is that that's different for every single person so then there comes then there comes a real uh, maturity coming back to the leader thing of letting people grow where they are frustrating because you see some people and you're like why why aren't you doing more like you got all the tools there but you just stuck spinning your tires when i'm talking in a um a bit, uh, kingdom context but letting people let letting jesus win people into um a deeper relationship with him and the natural outflowing of that is i'm going to want to do things for christ has to be absolutely yeah yeah i would 100 percent agree i think that's got to be the foundation mm. um my my love, of, my love, authentic, deep love of Christ, and out of that flows the natural, the freedom of wanting to, mm. wanting to serve and give, and but I guess the you know, at a more maybe practical level, how do we you know we we get the heart right, but how do we practically, um, you know, keep ourselves keep you know in in the th- uh, what do you call it, in the grind of yeah. you know living our life. Um, you know, because I, I, like I am a pastor, as you guys know, but I know most people in church are working 40, 50, 60 hours in the world. They've got three kids, four kids, two kids, one wife, um, hopefully. Most of the time. Most of the time. And, um, you know, and, they're, they're, and then we can say, man, we need you to come and do X, Y, Z. So I guess in the grind of living out life, you know, if we have our identity right, well, maybe what are some practical things to keep uh us people out of that spirit of obligation because i i think like obligation i don't necessarily always think is bad no what, i what think I, if the yeah i would give you a quick I mean example i'll get quick for me right so coming into church um as a 27 year old um i went through this journey of um and it's only really till recent times i have learned that me saying no doesn't um doesn't make uh, my love for serving or love for Jesus or love for a vision any less. Mm, I've just learned that the best answer isn't always saying yes because I have said yes in the past when I haven't 
being the best person in that environment. So I've said yes because uh, if I say no, uh, I won't get another opportunity or um, they'll think I'm not a team player or whatever. And that's never been said. I've just perceived that, hey, if I say no to this, I won't get this opportunity. And then what happens is the Brody that says yes, that rocks up, is not there for the right reasons. So when you start saying yes out of obligation, the heart behind it is not built on I'm doing this for God because straight away you're doing it and you've made it about you um, subconsciously. Mm. That's never going to work out. I mean, it might work out uh, like while you're on a run, you might have some short wins, but ultimately um, sooner or later you're going to have to start saying no because yep. you get burnt out or you, you have to choose your wife first over being able to serve four times on a Sunday or whatever it is. Um, but if you're always like, no, nah, I'm doing this, Ultimately, you're not doing it for God because you're making it about yourself. Uh, you think you're doing it because you think your calling is attached to mm. how many times you tick the box, but you only learn that after probably saying no a few times and being confident in, in yourself going, well, I actually feel content that I don't have to be at every prayer meeting, every connect yep. group, every uh, everything we do, like whatever it is. I think being able to say no um, for the right reason, it gets rid of that obligation yeah. and once you're on the other side of it you probably never feel obligated again that's what i've felt yeah. i felt now i feel confident in the way i guess that's why I, was, I said before it's not always negative i feel a deep obligation to the lord mm. but that it's like what you mentioned about the athlete mm. he's like hang on a minute no i love man i'm up at four i'm i'm in the gym i'm hitting the pool i'm doing and i, f- I feel that obligation to the lord like man i'm 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 in like i'm, I'm boots and all in but i think the part of that challenge though is is when we are, are grinding mm. you know day in day out week in week out month in month out year in year out because um, i think it it's always a potential for people to fall into that obligatory in mm. a negative sense feel that compulsion i've got to do otherwise i'm going to fail that person or man am i gonna is god gonna be happy there's that propensity that in human nature to fall into that trap and i think i agree i think if that happens then it's only a matter of time before they that person me you whoever it is falls into that spirit and that mindset it's only a matter of time before burnout hits and that person will slowly withdraw and, you know, then they were on the front row, then they're in the middle row, then they're at the back row. And this can happen over a year or two. Then they're at the door and then you, you know, you never see them again. And that is a, f- a thing that really grates me, um, you know, from a – because people matter. So, Absolutely. And I guess that's why I want to have this conversation is how do we prevent that? Because it happens a lot. It, I, you it know, a, a quick point too for, for, say, people who go through that um, – Recovering from a burnout and frustrations, the recovery time is far longer than the recovery time of you disappointing a leader. Mm. Disappointing a leader, if that is the real issue, right? If you disappoint a leader, even if you you rightly so disappoint them, right? You a moral failure, you do something wrong, right? And the leader's like, oh, I mean, I trusted you, but hey, Grace, it's all good. Mm. The recovery from that can be a week, a coffee, a month. Recovery from burnout, from you saying yes for three years straight and then you get off it because now your marriage is... The recovery from that is can be years. Yep. So the, the positive way to look at it practically for people who's going through it is um, the outcomes are, are so different. It's just a matter of saying, hey... Uh, and the good thing is, even if you just say no to something and you should be saying yes, 
this little pool you get to put your foot in is called grace. <laughs> and Jesus will love you anyway. And you can get it wrong every now and then. And you cannot do it because you can't be bothered and you're off it. No one's perfect. It's okay to say, you know, well, I'm sorry, Lord. I just don't want to do it today. And he's not going to think any less of you. That's just me being honest. That is true, though. Yeah. And yeah. I really think God doesn't. He's not. Yeah, we've. We've. I'm sure we've talked about this. Mm. He's like maybe not in the context of this podcast, but man, he's not. I don't believe God at all is sitting there like, man, what are you doing? When did you last give? When did you last give? I'm talking about money now. When did you last serve? I don't think that's his heart at all. And I think out of that, realizing that for people is probably a really powerful thing because then it makes you love him more. And then you want to you want to give, you know. We all know people who have totally their faith has totally bottomed bottomed out to where they're not even following Christ anymore because obligation has been the fuel for their walk with God. And even around things, you know, I've seen people that are just you know given so much from a serving point of view get to a point like where their marriage starts to break down they're like god where are you because again i think it comes back to the to a god image of god i've been doing all this stuff for you and my marriage is broken down and other bits and pieces are falling apart and maybe god's been trying to get through them for the last four years to say i want you to take a break don't come to church for three weeks go take your wife somewhere and take your kids somewhere and spend some time with them and and invest in the you know the first church which that's the way i see family or things like having conversations with people who have given who have given out of obligation for years and years and years and never seen a return in inverted commas, you know. So I think it's I think it's God image, but as leaders you can't you can't I I don't there's no like program, there's no five step process, which is what no. we all want, to be able to get at, there's no conveyor belt with our walk. So how do you you got to let people grow where they are even though there are people that you see it's like seriously you you're you're spinning your tires you've been spinning your tires for 3 years oh, you know you got potential come and do something come and like get outside yourself because that is the the currency of the kingdom is serving jesus showed us the the way is to serve and start with your wife if you're married start with your family start with the people around you and then grow up from there i i'm a believer that the family is the best testing ground to walk out, True. A, you know, a cruciform way of, 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 of your walk. I, I would agree. Yeah. If I can't, yeah, manage, not that, not that my family's something I manage. <laughs> <laughs> Better get that in context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, if I can't, yeah, you know, lead, whatever you want to call that, mm. if there's a whole lot of unhealthiness in my, not perfection, that's mm. a whole, nobody's perfect, but if my marriage is super unhealthy and my kids are off, off the chain and man, and my finances are messed up. I agree. I've got to get that right, you know, to a, to a certain degree. Um, how'd your thought go there, bros? Or no, nah, I lost it. That's it's okay. Long, it's gone. I was going to say because I think I think we can get the serving that word. We, we can just lock that into a Sunday or a Wednesday night when that is the the core of our walk in Christ. So serving can mean many different things. I think that would just that word alone would help people just release them from obligation because there's many ways you can serve. Yep. Yeah. I love the thought of, um, you know, that maybe as a way to keep away from that spirit of obligation or compulsion um, is understanding that I am here serving, giving, living for an audience of one, not for 
the applause or the the crowd or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think if I think if you get that rooted in your heart, you realize I don't need somebody's accolade or approval or record recognition of something I've done because at a deep base level in my heart, I understand that God sees sees this mm. whatever it is that I'm doing mm. from whether it's on a church on Sunday or during the week. If I th- I think if that's a real revelation that that I know personally that has helped me keep from the obligation or the compulsion thing because I know beyond what I can see whoever's acknowledging or not acknowledging it doesn't really matter because I know at a deep level God is like Dan I've got you yeah you know I've got you and the Bible says in um I think it's the book of Matthew it's you know, let's just go. <laughs> we we know the Bible really it well. Says yeah. in the Bible, it's, it's well, in Genesis we'll, we'll to that. to Revelation. <laughs> no, I've got it. It's in Matthew chapter ten, verse twenty nine. Boom, there it is. Uh, talks about two sparrows falling to the ground, and it says that God knows that they've fallen to the ground. Like that, that does not happen mm. without Him knowing. Mm. So it's talking about how His intimate knowledge of not just birds and the animals of the world, but human beings are the pinnacle of His creation. And I think if if we as the church can really have a deep revelation of that, that, man, I'm giving whatever money I give or time or energy or talent that I may have that I sow to serve the church, people, the kingdom of God, that God sees it all. I find I find that personally very freeing. I don't know if that, does, that, does that make sense? It, it does. It's honestly really, really freeing for yep. me at a deep level because I don't need you to... to Acknowledge it now. Don't get me wrong. We should encourage each yeah, other. Absolutely, good. man. Yeah. We should have a spirit of encouragement, yeah. and all that. But I don't need Scott or you or someone else. Hey, Dan, man, top job, man. We love you. You're incredible. You keep going, man. That's nice. But I, I know. I just see God's heart saying, Dan, I've, I can see it, man. It's okay. I got you. Mm. And that is that's one thing that's really helped me over the years to keep from that obligatory attitude and spirit. That's mm. a destroyer. Yeah, I think I suppose in summing up from my my point is um, the way I've learned to assess um, if I'm if I'm doing something based on what is expected, um, as I have that kind of I'm either content or I feel convicted to like, hey, you should be doing this. Uh, they're my two, I guess, like my gauge of whether I should be saying yes, no, or uh, agreeing, or whatever it is. If I feel uh, content. Um, in saying no, I'm generally talking about the no here, saying no. Mm. So I think it's easy to say yes to things because if it's aligned with God's purpose, that's easy. But when it comes down to saying no, if um, if I'm content in saying no because I'm not worried about, hey, what will man think? Mm. If I know that God knows my heart and um, this is I'm saying no for a certain reason, no issue. But if I feel convicted, uh, that's normally the red flag, like, hey, I need to go and serve. I need to go do this because uh, this is a small thing for me to do. It's not about me, and that's my kind of my practical way of dealing yeah. with it. Nice. Well, on that note, um, that's uh, been a fast little thirty-minute set it's there. Quick. Uh, Goes we, quick when we you keep interrupting me, mate. <laughs> <laughs> we should have said this at the start, but uh, subscribe, hit the like button, that's do it. whatever the the heck you're meant to do to see more of this quality material that we're dishing up here boys that's it <laughs> just give us a, give us ourselves a little plug oh god was here tonight <laughs> <laughs> it's oh man i'll tell you the anointing is oh. powerful right now i don't know if it's translating